This is the weekly Parsha Shior with Rabbi Chaim Bravender of Atid and WebYeshiva.org. Recorded live in Jerusalem at Beit Knesset Haramban. Visit www.webyeshiva.org for live interactive online shiurim today. I wanted to, uh, the parish is Truma. I want to, uh, I mean, I noticed you when you came in, but I was in the middle of saying something very important. So, the parish of Truma, the parish of Mishpatim, ends with these psukim. Vayom Hashem Moshe Alei Elai Hechara Vayeshav Vetnalachat Luchota Evin Vatarava Mitzvah Asher Katavti Lahorotam. So there is a, a, a directive. HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Moshe Rabbeinu Alei Elai Hahara. So forget about the word Elai which is a difficult word. But what is Alei Hahara? What are we talking about? So Rashi says, Vayom HaShem HaMoshe Lachar Matan Torah Alei Elai Hahara Ve'yesham So you see that Rashi differentiates between what happened on the sixth day of Sivan and what happened during the next 40 days. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu went up on the mountain on the 6th of Sivan. And on the 6th of Sivan, the people of Israel had this revelation. They all knew something. They were like Moshe Rabbeinu. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu heard God speaking the words of the Torah, and Moshe Rabbeinu knew that that was the case, right? He knew it because he had this first-hand experience which enabled him to know without a doubt that God was speaking to him. At that time, the people, B'nai Yisrael, had the same experience. They were just like Moshe Rabbeinu on Vav Sivan. Then Moshe Rabbeinu apparently came down from the mountain on Vav Sivan. And here it's, it's not so clear. Maybe that's when Moshe Rabbeinu taught them the parasha of Mishpatim. Mishpatim is a parasha of laws, of rules. It's, it's some of the Torah. So Moshe Rabbeinu taught B'nai Yisrael some of the Torah, parashat Mishpatim, and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to, and then the people said, Nasev Nishma, you know, they were willing to accept, and somehow, Accepting the Torah, accepting the Torah was dependent on them knowing what they were accepting. Which I think, you know, is not so unreasonable. Like you, you, how can you accept something if you don't know what the demand is? And really on, on Vav Sivan, Chazal say that B'nai Yisrael only heard a very small part of the Aseret Adibrot. Maybe Anochi Hashem Elokecha. Maybe the first Dibar. Maybe two. Anochi Hashem Elokecha. Velo Yelecha. But there was no further content. There was no Torah content. And that Torah content came to B'nai Yisrael when Moshe Rabbeinu came down the mountain and he taught them the parasha of Mishpatim as though to say, this is an example of what the Torah wants of us. And then Moshe Rabbeinu was directed by a Kodesh Baruch Hu 
Alei Elai Hahara. So if Rashi says, Vayom Hashem Moshe, Lachar Matan Torah, what does Rashi mean? What's Lachar Matan Torah? It means after the sixth day of Sivan, where the words Matan Torah are not about the Torah being given to B'nai Yisrael, but it's about what we call revelation. Or in Hebrew we say, Hitgalut. And for people who like to be confusing, you can say theophany. In other words, there was a, a connection at a moment in time between B'nai Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that connection had content. It wasn't just an experience. It wasn't just Moshe Rabbeinu looking at the Sneh, Mo'er Ba'esh Ve'enenu Ukal, but it was a, a revelation that included content. But Chachamim wisely say that the content was very limited. It was very small content. Maybe that's all they heard. That's the only, uh, 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 the only thing they knew. But Moshe Rabbeinu was directed to teach B'nai Yisrael the parasha of Mishpatim, which enabled them ultimately, not ultimately, but later in that same day, enabled them to say, Naaseh v'nishma. Naaseh, what we know about, and v'nishma, what we will hear about. But Naseh and Ishma had to be said about something. Had to be said about something. And I just remind you that at the end of the parasha of Bishalach, at the end of the parasha of Bishalach, uh, the Pesach says, Sham Samlo Choku Mishpat Bisham Nisahu, and there uh, uh, it, it, it's indicated, it's in there, B'nai Yisrael received some of the Torah, or certain things of the certain things that are Kibara Kibud Avaim and Dinim and maybe Paraduma. There were different versions, but the the Chachamim thought that Bnei Yisrael must have been aware of some of the contents of the Torah after Kriyat Yamsuf, uh, but before the Parasha of Yitro. So that's what that's what the first pasuk means. Now Rashi says, "Alei Eli Hahara Ve'Yeshav." Rashi says, "Arba Im Yom." Now, what Arba Im Yom are we talking about? We're talking about the Arba Im Yom from Vav Sivan until Yud Zayin Tammuz. Okay, forty days from Vav Sivan until Yud Zayin B'Tamuz, Yud Zayin B'Tamuz became famous in later Jewish history as being a fast day. But at that time, Yud Zayin B'Tamuz was just a day. Forty days after Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai, he came down, and what did he find? The Chet Egel. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu found. Now the Pasuk says, the Pasuk that we're learning, Pasuk Yud Bet Vetnalecha, as Luchot HaEvin Vatorada Mitzvah, so Luchot Evan, we know that there were Luchot Evan, And what exactly the Torah, the mitzvah is, we don't know. So Rashi says, you see, Luchot Evan, Vatorava Mitzvah, Asher Katafti Lorotam, Kol Sheish Me'otu Shloshu Shei Mitzvot, Bichlal Aserta Dibrote. So, how does he, how does he, how does Rashi explain it? Rashi says, Luchot Evan. That's really what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Moshe Rabbeinu. 
but the Luchot Evan they include the Torah and the Mitzvah. And the Torah and the Mitzvah are the 613 Mitzvot. How does, how do the Luchot Evan contain the, the Torah and the Mitzvah? It was some kind of a trick. You turned it around and you saw all the rest of the Torah. So Rashi says, Rabbeinu Sa'adya Piresh Ba'azharot so we know that Rav Sadiq Gaon wrote a book in which he takes each of the Aseret Debrot and he shows that each of the Aseret Debrot is a kind of a model or a prototype of many other mitzvot. So that even though there are only ten Debrot, they somehow include all the 613 mitzvot. So Rashi says, so I guess that what Rashi is saying, Rashi didn't, didn't mean that Moshe Rabbeinu and Har Sinai looked at Rav Sadia Gon's book and figured out that there were 613 mitzvot. But Rashi is saying that what Rav Sadia Gon did much later in history, right, in the 9th century, the 10th century of the common era, it was, he, Rav Sadia Gon did it because you could do it. So if he could do it, so certainly Moshe Rabbeinu could do it. So it makes sense that Moshe Rabbeinu, during the 40 days that he was on the, on the mountain, would go through each of the Aserot that they brought, and Aserot Bofu would teach him all the other mitzvot that are connected to any of these. So that's what, that's what Rashi, uh, that's what Rashi means. Pasuk Yudalit, Pasuk Yudgimu, Vayakob Moshe, Vyoshua Bishoto, Vyal Moshe, El Har Ha Elokim. Har Ha Elokim means the mountain where it is clear that God is dwelling. Right? There was a cloud, there was a fire, there was, you know, that's Har Ha Elokim. Like, <coughs> Moshe Yoshua Bishoto. Rashi says, interestingly, Lo Yadati Mativoshal Yoshua Khan. It means, I don't know what role Yoshua is playing here. What is what Moshe of it have to go with Yoshua? So I say, what I say is that it's true that 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 Yoshua didn't have a specific job, but he was doing the right thing because it's the right thing for the Talmud to accompany the Rav to wherever the Rav to wherever the Rav has to go. Uh, but he went as far as he was allowed to go because that was the you know everybody can go up to here but no further only you can go up on the on the mountain that's the second part of the Pasuk right he went up himself because Yoshua accompanied him part of the way, and then he went up by himself. The Yoshua Natasham Ohalo, Vinitakev Sham Kol Arba Imyo. And in fact, what happened to Yoshua? He pitched the tent, and he waited there for Moshe Rabbeinu to come down. He knew that it would be 40 days. Okay, so Yeshua was not with the Am. He was not with the people who were doing the, who built the Egel, but he was in this tent that was halfway up the mountain, or partway up the mountain, waiting for you, for Moshe Rabbeinu to come, 
ready for Moshe Rabbeinu to come down. Pasuk Yudalit. So that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said to the people, I'm not leaving you, and here I have uh, Aaron and Chur, I mean, uh, my assistants, if you have a question, you can ask them. Uh, then, then the Pasuk says, that Moshe Rabbeinu went up and the cloud covered up the uh, covered up the um, the mountain. Right, so it was six days, and then the seventh day. Vayikra el Moshe b'yom ha-shvi'i. Right, you have um, in the in the Rashi, Rashi pasuk tetzayin, Vayikra el Moshe b'yom ha-shvi'i, lomar aseret ha-dibrot. Lomar aseret ha-dibrot, Moshe v'chol b'nei Yisrael omdim. Ela shechalaka katuv, kavod l'moshe. So it's hard to know, like, how does Rashi fit this in? I mean, you see the problem. Moshe Rabbeinu, it was like saying that it started over again. Even though the beginning of the teaching of that Sarah that they wrote happened before, but now he starts over again. And he teaches him um, uh, a Sarah that they wrote. This is a matter that doesn't really concern us. The last pasuk Moshe Rabbeinu went up to the mountain and he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. And this is the end of the parasha. This is the end of the parasha of, uh, of Mishpatim. So, uh, again, if I had to order things, I would say there was Hitgalut, right? God appeared to B'nai Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu is on the mountain, Moshe, HaKadosh Baruch speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu, everybody hears it, everybody is sort of in a state of prophecy at that time, and then Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from the mountain, teaches B'nai Yisrael, Parashat Mishpatim, B'nai Yisrael say, Naaseh Benishma, but this is not, I'm just trying to, to read the Sukim as they are written in the Torah, you could, you could read it differently, but this is why I'm trying to read it, and then, uh, uh, at the end of the parish of Mishpatim says to Moshe Rabbeinu okay now I'm going to give you the Torah now come up and get the Torah so the Torah consisted of Luchot um, Evan, which is like Torah Shebechtav right you haven't got more Torah Shebechtav than Luchot Evan. and then the Torah the HaMitzvah which is like Torah Shebaalpeh Rashi says Rav Sajigo did the same thing. He proved that in the ten categories of Aserta Debrot, you have all of the mitzvot and all of the interdictions, right? They're all, all the lavin, that the mitzvot that say and the mitzvot lota say are all included, according to Rav Sajigo. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu learned when he was on the mountain. The beginning of this week's parasha, this week's parasha is called Truma. Shulman, maybe before I read the Pasuk, I just remind you of the fact that the end of Parashat Shemot 
The, at the end of Sefer Shemot is about building the Mishkan. And there are five parashiyot that are about building the Mishkan. Trumat Itzaveh, Kitisa, Vayakel Pekudeh. Now, Trumat Itzaveh and Vayakel Pekudeh are mirror images. It's true that Truma is about Kaleha Mishkan, the vessels. And Titzaveh is about building the Mishkan. Whereas Vayakhel is about building the Mishkan and Kudeh is about the Kalim that you put it's not like they're reversed. The two but they're basically the same. Vayakel Pekudeh and and Trumat Tzaveh are basically the same. That's a good question. See, see me next year. Say it, say it. But we're not, we're there, you know. There's a what? Ah, I said that? No. Okay. So let's go again. Trumat Tzaveh equals... When I say equals, I mean they're almost exactly identical. Now, the, you could see that that is true if you look in a Chumash with Rashi, and you look for the Rashi and the Parashiyot of Vayakel and Pekude, you will notice that it, it doesn't exist. It almost doesn't exist. Vayakel Pekude. Because Rashi has already explained everything in Teruman Tetzavah. So you see, even Rashi was not able to differentiate them. To say, the Shulchan here is different than the Shulchan there, or the Aron here is different than... They're the same. The parasha of Kitisa, right, the middle parasha, is more complicated and involved. Partially, it's about the Mishkan. Right, the appointing of B'Tzalel to build the Mishkan, for example. But... Ki uh, Tisa also includes the story of building the Egel Hazahav. And of course, this is a mystery, because it's no longer easy to know what came before what. Why would you have Truman Tetzaveh, then, the, then the, the Egel Hazahav, and then Vayakel uh, Pekudeh? Where does the Egel Hazahav really belong? It belongs when Moshe Rabbeinu came down after the 40 days, right? He went up on Vav Sivan. 40 days later was Shivasa B'Tamuz. That's when Moshe Rabbeinu discovered the Egel Hazahav. So at that time, they hadn't built the Mishkan yet. So how come Truman Tetzaveh exists? Why do these two parashiyot exist? If you left them out, I'm not making a suggestion. I'm just sort of fantasizing. If you left them out, Truma and Tetzaveh, then everything would be kind of reasonable. Moshe Rabbeinu, at the end of Mishpatim, he went up to Har Sinai. Then he came down in Yudzayim the Tammuz. And Yudzayim the Tammuz, he looked around and he said, what's all this screaming and yelling that's going on? And he found out about the Egel Azahav. Moshe Rabbeinu had to clean up things. That took him another 40 days. Another 40 days. Rab Yud Zayin B'Tammuz until Rosh Chodesh Elul. Until Rosh Chodesh Elul. Rosh Chodesh Elul, Moshe Rabbeinu was directed to go up to the mountain the second time. That's in 
also in the parasha of Kitisa, and he went up again for 40 days and 40 nights. Of course, there was a difference the first time HaKadosh Baruch made the Luchot, the second time Moshe Rabbeinu chiseled them out and brought them with him up on Har, up the Har Sinai. But finally, Moshe Rabbeinu went down, came down from the mountain the second time on what day? 40 days after Rosh Chodesh Elul, right, Yom Kippur. He came down in Yom Kippur, and what did Moshe Rabbeinu, what did Moshe Rabbeinu do? Vayakel. He got everybody together. And he got everybody together and told them, what did he tell them? Let's build the Mishkan. That was the first directive that Moshe Rabbeinu gave to B'nai Yisrael, excluding Parashat Mishpatim which was not about doing something, but it was about the laws in general. But when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai, on Yom HaKippurim, Moshe Rabbeinu said to B'nai Yisrael, now go and build a Mishkan. Now. So now, again, we're kind of stuck. So what, pray, how does Truma and Tetzavet fit in? Because not only, you have to understand, not only is Truma and Tetzavet out of order, out of order in the sense that if you just leave them out of the Torah itself entirely, it would all be in order, and, and, and we'd end up with the same information. So it's not just a regular kind of Ein Mukdam Umuchar Torah, which is sort of two events are presented in non-chronological order. Right? Which I told you, I told you that the... Uh, in the beginning, the first pasuk in Bavidbar says that it took place on the Chodesh HaSheni, and in Perakat, when the Torah talks about Pesach Sheni, it says the Chodesh HaRishon. So there, we have two, uh, uh, two striking points, and the first is later than the second. So about that, you could say, Ein Mutam Torah, but when it comes to Chuma and Tetzaveh, what are we actually saying? And not only say that it's out of order, it's also unnecessary. Well, what do we get from it? What would be wrong? What would be bad if the Torah at the end of the parasha of Mishpatim said that Moshe Rabbeinu should go up at Har Sinai, and then in the parasha of Kitavo, Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from Har Sinai and sees the Cheta Ego, then 40 days later, HaKadosh Baruch says to him, take, take Luchot and go back up on Har Sinai, and then he comes back on, on uh, Yom HaKippurim, and he says to everybody, okay, let's build a Mishkan. Vayakel Pekudek. What would be missing in the Torah? It's not just a question of a Mukdam Um Uchar, as Rashi says, but it's a question of necessary and unnecessary. It's absolutely unnecessary. Now, it's true that there are other cases in the Torah. I don't want to go into them, but the other cases in the Torah, like when Eliezer tells the story of Abraham sent him to find a wife, and he tells the whole story over again. Okay. But here we're talking about mitzvot. We're talking about commands from HaKadosh Baruch And since Rashi is the one who told, taught us that the Torah does not like to waste words, spend words, for say words for no purpose, this is simply, as far as I can tell, unnecessary. So now let's look at the beginning of Truma. Shemot Perikafei. 
וידבר השם אל משה לאמור דבר בני ישראל, ויקחו לי תרומה, מעת כל איש אשר ידבנו מבו, תיקחו את תרומתי. That's the beginning of our parasha. This תרומה that we're talking about was the תרומה that was used to build the Mishkan. So it seems that if ויקחו לי תרומה means take something from the day Israel, that they are about to build the Mishkan in the parish of תרומה. But that's wrong. They're not about to build a Mishkan in the parish of Truma, as we have pointed out. The parish of Truma seems to be unnecessary, extra. Something that, even though it's true, Rashi explains the parish of Truma to Tzabe, not Vayakel Pekudeh, but that's because they're there first. But we don't get anything from Truma and Tzabe other than confusion, other than confusion. Shmuel Perek Lamed Aleph Pasuk Yudchet. Shmuel Perek Lamed Aleph Pasuk Yudchet. Vayitene el Moshe kechaloto ledaber ito bahar Sinai. This is a Pasuk in the parasha of Kitisa. When Moshe Rabbeinu received or finished uh, hearing God speaking the Torah, God gave him Shnei Luchot Ha'edut Luchot Evin Ketuvim Ve'etzpa Elokim. Okay, what does that mean? To win the Evzva Elokim. Let's say it means that when Moshe Rabbeinu looked at the Luchot, he was able to tell that it was done by a divine author. He was able to tell somehow. He looked at it. He said, this is not what could happen if it was done in the world. It was something uh, special. So then let's look at Rashi. Rashi says, Ein mukdam umuchar b'Torah. Now we know that Rashi believed in Ein mukdam umuchar. That means to say, Rashi was not surprised. Ein mukdam umuchar b'Torah. That's the truth. The Torah is not always concerned about chronology. Usually, it is. Abraham before Yitzchak, Yitzchak before Yaakov, Yaakov before Yosef. Usually things are chronological. But if they are not chronological, we don't have to be nervous about that. That's not something terrible. So Rashi says, Rashi says, as we said, I think, or we said, as Rashi said, that when did when did Hakadosh Baruch Hu when was the tzivui to build the Mishkan according to Rashi much later than the Egel than the Masa Egel again what was the date that Moshe Rabbeinu discovered the Egel Yud Zayin B'Tamuz what was the date that Moshe Rabbeinu went up back up on on mountain and what was the date that Moshe Rabbeinu came down the 40 days later? Yom HaKippurim. And then Moshe Rabbeinu said to B'nai Yisrael, go build the Mishkan. So what does Rashi say? Rashi says, Masa Ego, Kodum L'Sivuim, Lech the Mishkan, Yamim Rabimaya. It was long before, it was long before the, the, the Masa Ego, was long before the mitzvah of building uh, Mishkan. So what about Truman Titzavah? 
So the Rashi seems to say, okay, nothing to worry about. But I'm not worried about the Ein Mukdam I'm worried about the redundancy, the unnecessary aspect of it. Because Ein Mukdam doesn't mean that either one of them is unnecessary. It just means that they're not chronologically arranged. So there may be some other kind of arrangement. But here by Trumat Tzadveh, it's not only that it appears in the wrong place. If Truman Tetzave was in the Torah and Vayakel Pekude was not in the Torah. So I would say, But what does it do to say, Well, you have it twice. You have it in the right place and you have it in the wrong place. So, so the fact that you have it in the wrong place deserves some kind of... Uh, of interpretation, but Rashi doesn't explain that. All he says is, Harebi Shiva Sabatamuz, Mishtabrua Luchot, when Moshe already came down from the mountain the first time, he broke the Luchot, or the Yom Hakipurim, Nitratse, Kodesh Bokhul Israel, or the Moharat, Yur Alev Tishrei, Hitchilu Binidvata Mishkan, they brought donations for building the Mishkan, Vuhukam, Bechad Vinisan. It was from Tishrei. It took them until the first day of Nisan to start putting up the Mishkan. Like the Mimei Miluim, they are called. It took another week. They put it up, they take it down, they put it up, take it down. But that's what, that's what Rashi, that's what Rashi said. Okay. So that's the Pasuk. That's the Pasuk where Rashi tries to answer the question. If you turn the page, I remind you. I remind you of this pasuk. Vata lech nechayet ha'am el asher dibarti lecha. Hinei malachi yelech lefanecha. Remember last week we talked about the malach sheyelech lefanecha. But now the malach is not so important but it's reflective of the last phrase in this pasuk. Biyom pakdi ufakadati alehem chatatam. What does that mean? Pakdi means on the day I remember them, or the day I notice them. Notice b'nei Yisrael, ufakadati alehem chatatam. I will remind them of their transgression. Rashi says, Biyom pakdi. You see the last Rashi. You see that last Rashi? Biyom pakdi Ata shamati elecha michalotam yachat There was this discussion. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said after the Chet Egel, let's get rid of B'nai Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu defended them and said no. What are the people going to say? What are the nations of the world going to say? It won't look good. Please don't destroy them. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyochol acquiesced to Moshe Rabbeinu's position. However, Hakadosh Baruch Hu said this. Hakadosh Baruch Hu said this. Beyond pakdi upakadati alehem chatatam. And Rashi says, Ata shamati elecha milechalotam yachat. I, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Kaviyochol, have listened to you. I've accepted your position. 
that Bnei Yisrael should not be destroyed altogether, meaning the ones who were more active in the Chet HaEgel and the ones who were less active. I, I listen to you, Moshe Rabbeinu, but Tamid Tamid Kshefkod Alehem Avonotehem in the future when they sin and they have to be punished V'nifkadeti Alehem so Rash, so so Akadosh Baruch Hu says this remarkable thing that even though Bnei Yisrael has been forgiven enough to allow Jewish history to continue, but that doesn't mean that they have achieved atonement for the Chet Ha'Egel. They have not. But, instead of punishing them roundly for what they deserve right now, instead of destroying B'nai Yisrael, because that's the, the, the reasonable punishment, they won't be destroyed. But in all history, whenever B'nai Yisrael has to be punished, whenever there has to be an exile, whenever there has to be any of the things that, that the Torah mentioned as punishment, B'nai Yisrael will be punished a little bit more. And that will go on the Cheshbon, of the Cheta Egel. I mean, that's a, like a pretty remarkable puzzle. And it says, it says, don't think that Moshe Rabbeinu's arguing on behalf of Am Yisrael affected an essential change. Because HaKadosh Baruch had already said that they deserve to be punished. And it's not that Moshe Rabbeinu could come and say, could come and say, oh, uh, how about not punishing them. You know, like, that, that wasn't an option. What Moshe Rabbeinu was able to achieve was a kind of stay of execution where the punishment itself would be meted out over the years of history. As Yom Pakdi, when I punish B'nai Yisrael for something else that they might do in the future, Ufakadati Alehem Chatatam. And I will, I will uh, uh, remind them of the sin that they did in this case. So Rashi, uh, the next pasuk, pasuk Aleph. This is this is the the parsha of Moshe Rabbeinu coming down. So. Uh, uh, so we have uh, so this is Moshe Rabbeinu coming back after having had this uh, this uh, uh, meeting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and which everybody agrees was the highest level of Matan Torah that was ever achieved the first time around the second time was already a lower level because the Luchot were prepared by Moshe Rabbeinu himself the second time. The first time, the Luchot came from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The second time, they came from, uh, from Moshe Rabbeinu. So I would like to uh, tell you two things. One is in the Svat Emet. One is in the Svat Emet, which is, and the other is my idea. Um, I don't usually tell you my ideas, but um, I mean, besides arranging uh, the material, but in this case, 
I thought I'd make an exception. And uh, so let's look first at the, I don't know what you should do first, but let's look at the Svatimet. Svatimet says, this is the Svatimet and Parashat Naso. You see, you know how it, how it works? It's printed in the book, the Svatimet, according to the year that he said this particular of the Adresha. So he said the Adresha in Tafresh Nun Hey, which you can sit quickly and try to figure out when that is in some other way of counting. So he said the Adresha for Parashat Naso, which is in the book of Bamidar, by the Parashat of Naso. But we know that the Parashat of Naso is the parasha that has the Ein Mukdam Umuchar Psukim in it, right? Pesach Sheni is in that parasha. So he quotes the Medrash. Yikarahi mipninim, the Pasuk says, Mikoin gadol shenichnas lifnai v'livnin, like a Talmud Chacham, kodem erev Shabbat. Talmud Chacham kodem ayin Shabbat, I'm sorry. So the, the, even a Kohen, a, a Talmud Chacham comes before a Kohen Gadol. Ki agam sheyesh seide madregot ba'olam. It was even though there's some kind of order in the way the Torah organized us. Some of us are Kohanim, some of us are Leviim, and some of us are Yisraelim. And the notion of being a Kohen Gadol goes across the whole spectrum, right? I'm sorry, the notion of being a Talmud Chacham differentiates everybody. As the Gemara says, if you have a Talmud Chacham and you have a Kohen, so who goes first? Who goes first in, in places where you go first, like Kriyat Torah or Dekat Amazon? We know that, that there's a certain, we have to recognize that there's a system of priorities. It says, the to- even though there is order, then that the Kohen should come before a Levi, and a Levi should come before a, a, a Yisrael, but, but the Torah is out of order. Right? Shalom means that there are no differentiations. Again, Shalom, what does Shalom mean? Shalom means that everything, everybody is the same. Kohen, Levi, Yisrael are differentiations that come about because of function. Kohen does this, Levi does that, Yisrael does that. So there's a, a differentiation. What does the word Shalom mean? What does the word Shalom mean? That things are not differentiated. Everybody gets along with everybody else. So if you say, Hatarahi, so you say that the reason that the Talmud Chacham takes precedence even over the Kohen Gadol is because the Kohen, the Talmud Chacham is the one who has the Torah. And the Torah is what produces Shalom. So that as far as the Talmud Chacham is concerned, this differentiation doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a Kohen, a Levi, and a Yisrael. That's what the Svat Emet says. V'chi Torat Hashem Tmimah. And we know that the Pasuk says the Torat Hashem Tmimah. What is Tamim? 
Tamim means perfect, unblemished. So Torah is, unper- is perfect, unblemished. Every letter has everything in it. The Sefer Yitzirah has taught us that when God created the world, He created it with the letters of the alphabet. So that the, al- the alphabet is, is where everything is contained. So every word which is made up of letters of the alphabet has everything in it. And that's why there is no order, necessary order in the Torah. Because what does necessary order mean? It means that you could differentiate between one thing and another. One thing should come first, and the other thing should come second. It doesn't matter how you differentiate. You differentiate by, by, by the calendar. You can differentiate by, by the, the expense of it. You can differentiate by the importance of it. But when it comes to, when you get closer and closer to God through the Torah, such differentiation doesn't exist. And that's what the lesson of Ein Mukdam Muhammad Torah is, that there really isn't anything in the Torah which is more important, which has come first, and something else comes second, because it's less important, uh, that doesn't really exist. Because everything is ultimately swallowed up, swallowed up into the Echad, the unity which is the expression of God. Everything is that way. So he says, if you read the parashiyot in Bamidbar, first they are differentiating the different communities in Am Yisrael. There are Shvatim, there are Leviim, there are Kohanim, there's the Kohen Gadol, everybody has their place. But then in Bamidbar, we learn the parasha of Nazir. And the parasha of Nazir says, according to the Svatamet, everybody can be one. There's no differentiation. Because Nazir is a person who yearns to be closer to God. And the closer you get to God, the less the other differentiations mean anything. So what the Svatamet did was explain, explain to us why Ein Muqtam Umuchabatara, at least according to Rashi, is an important principle in the Torah itself, and that is because differentiation is not the truth of things. It's like Vayavdel in, in Breshit. Right? Vayavdel means God differentiate. Differentiate between the waters above and the waters below, right? Remember that? So, what's the Rakia? Do you remember? Do you remember the Rakia? The Rakia, Rashi says, based on Chazal, that Rakia was also water. That sort of got hardened like ice. It got hardened like ice. So, 
So you say, if it's water differentiating between water and water, what, what do you need for? Why do you God have to make a rakia? And if a rakia is supposed to differentiate between the above and the below, so why didn't God make it out of steel or reinforced aluminum or something or whatever, whatever you could make, whatever make planes out of? Why do you make it out of water? So the answer is, the answer may be, and this is the Kotzke Rebbe said, the answer is that differentiation is the world in which we live. That the Torah teaches us that differentiation is not the world that we wish to maintain. That the reason that the rakia is made out of water to differentiate between the waters above and the water below is because we could possibly pierce that rakia. We can join the waters above and the waters below. And there's a hint in the story of Bereshit that the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world is, is that we should try to do that. We should do that. We should go in that direction. And that may be shot in the story of Migdal Bavel, but I don't want to go to that now. So that's what the Svatamet explained. But the Svatamet did not explain to us again why we need the extra parashiyot of Truma and Titzavet. So I go to the, I go back to this, what I have to say. Going back to that posuk, the Yompok Remember that posuk? In Perak Lamed Aleph, the last posuk, when God punishes us, we will continue to be punished for the, for the Chet Ha'ego. So it seems to me that in the Torah, there are two different narratives. There's the narrative that could have been and the narrative that actually was. And the narrative that could have been was that the Mishkan would have been built after the Torah was given and the Chaita Egel never happened. The second narrative in the Torah is the narrative of what actually did happen. That the Mishkan was actually built was actually built after the Chaita Egel. When I say two narratives, I mean that these two narratives we carry around with us all the time. And I'm not just saying that, you know, Jews are good at guilt, which apparently they may be. But there are two narratives. There is, like, when I build a Mishkan, when I build a Mishkan, I can't think of the Chaita Egel. But I know that the Cheta Egel is there someplace inside of me and will ultimately affect what I do. So I live in two worlds. And that's what the Torah directed me to do. The Torah wants me to do, live in those two worlds. And says when you build the Mishkan, when you build a Mishkan, you should build it without feeling that you are kind of encumbered by the Cheta Egel. Or whatever you do in life, you know, you could do things without, without being filled with guilt all the time. On the other hand, on the other hand, you have to understand that there is no way to rid ourselves of our past. We are the children of our parents and the children of their parents, all the way back to the Cheta Egel. And so we live in disharmony. We live in disharmony, and everybody knows that, that sometimes, often, 
we're able to live as though we were just born today. Everything is wonderful. Nothing came yesterday. Nothing ever happened before. Let's go and do it. Let's make it. Let's build it. And sometimes, sometimes we wonder if we are not reconnecting to some uh, uh, dark past that we have been living with ourselves. So, I don't know if this is psychology, but I think that it's, it's kind of regular. Everybody goes into these uh, states of depression. And you know that Rav Nachman of Brasov, who apparently was, suffered from depression and fought depression. He's the one who said, Asur that it's forbidden to become depressed. Uh, what do you mean that it's forbidden to become What does that mean? I mean, he himself was depressed and apparently had to go to doctors to find relief of, uh, of, his, own, of his own depression. So what does he mean? What could he possibly mean to say, Asur, Asur to eat Chazer? Okay, but it's my choice. I don't have to eat Chazer. So according to, according to Rav Nachman of Bratzlav, Yehush is also, at least the Yehush he's talking about, which may be not clinical kind of Yehush, but the Yehush, the kind of frustration and, and distress that everybody has sometimes. He said, Asur, we are always building the Mishkan. Which Mishkan are we building? The Mishkan that of Parashat Truma and Titzaveh. And you can't let the Chaita Ego get in your way. Asur Mityaish doesn't mean that there's no Yiush, and it doesn't mean that we have no history, but it means that our obligation is to grab onto the narrative of Truma and Tetzave and not allow the narrative of Ayakel Pekude to determine our own lives and actions. Have a good Shabbos.